Welcome to the Don't Die Podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. That is the Pete Weiss. Dying. That is the Pete Weiss downbeat on there. Very nice. Now, there's no drummer like him. I, the, I have very few regrets in life, Chuck. I don't know if you realize this. All the stealing and, and bad things I did, I have no regrets about. But I do have regrets, and, and this, I do have regrets of how hard I was on Pete Weiss. And, and because we were a great band, it didn't matter who was, who was uh, excellent at whatever guitar, drums, or singing. It didn't matter, and I thought it did. And I was around a bunch of people who made me think it did. You know what I mean? Okay. And so, and and I just always regret that because when I hear Pee drumming, I know that's fucking Pee No one else sounds like him. That's Pee He's got soul. It is the signature Thelonious Monster sound. He really did have soul, and I just was and so I mean just might to add, him. Bob, what? That you were mean to everybody. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, like that's that stuff. Like that. So, <laughs> so I've gotten a lot of feedback uh, that people just love the old punk rock story. So I thought we'd just do a show about <laughs> old punk rock stories. Mike and I did this thing in L.A. last week. The old punk rock war stories. And it was th- fun. It was fun. And and to hear Xene's like Xene told this story about when John Doe and her got married in Mexico. They got married in Mexico. And their honeymoon they spent with like six people in a motel six. Like that's oh, yeah. not a honeymoon. <laughs> yeah, that is fucked up. I, I guess that depends what the six people are doing. <laughs> no, they were all sleeping, and John Nixon were on the floor. On the floor. <laughs> right. Well, you had to you pay just, for it. You just want to see because they were like gods to me. And then when you hear a story like that, you're like, oh my god, they were living the same life I was living. And then the same thing happened when Top Jimmy got married. Everybody went down to Tijuana yeah. and did the same fucking thing. Yeah. So, but. But really, Thelonious Monster, I, I look back on it, it was just such a fun time, and I wish I would have enjoyed it more. And I think young people need to realize, like, your youth is, you only get one, right? And yeah. I fucked up mine being a whiner and complainer and, and big shot, and, and I do have regret about that. There's nothing you can do about it. You just don't try not to be that way now. But, but, but I think young people don't realize, like, you're only going to be 22 and 23 and 24 and 26 and 28 and 30 and 31 one time. I don't and then think it's going to be you over. You can't get that when you're that age. Otherwise, you would I think some kids can. I think you can realize, like, get, get whatever I learned when I, I, I got sober when I was 35. Probably by the time I was 36, 37, I really had a grasp of life. Why can't you, and I think most people traditionally for decades had gotten that grasp on life at 22, 23. They were having kids, Chuck, at 24. They were buying houses at 25. Well, isn't that the saying, though, that having kids and buying houses changes your perspective on everything? Didn't change mine. <laughs> not when you're not when you're on dope. But if you're not on dope, if you're, if you're a regular person and you're not on dope and you're not an alcoholic, you buy a house, you have kids, it changes your perception. Yeah, I tried my best, but I owned a home in like 91. Got taken away by somebody, either the bank or the IRS. I can't remember. It was one of those professional organizations that said, no longer do you own this home. And I'm not really quite sure of which it was. Right? 
Okay. So there's that. I mean, but for the most part, I think people getting kids getting sober at 22, 23, 24, they're gaining the insight that, and so they're going to have a good 25, 26, 27, 28, not making all the mistakes that someone like me has regret about. I wish I would have gained insight at 27, 28. Right. You know what I mean? I know. I've got a 23-year-old friend who works with me. And he's actually, he appears to hear me when I talk. And I'm trying to impart those sort of things. Like uh, the things that I wish I would have had laid the groundwork for so that it would have been different in my latter 20s. Might have had this in place for my 30s. Might have had this in place for my 40s instead of just starting to do all these things now in my early 50s. Yeah. Like, like I got, you know, every January it comes around, you're going to re-up your health care, right? And I just, I'm sick of Kaiser. I said, fuck them. And we were paying, I think, for, because Elvis is separate, but the three of us, I was paying like 860 bucks a month for shitty Kaiser. And I just said, you know what? Fuck this. Let's get really good health insurance. Now it's $1,256 a month. Hmm. Right? Because I'm old and I have pre-existing... They say there's no pre-existing thing. That's such a fucking lie. No, you just can't you just turn pay it down. more. Yeah, you, you just, just pay, pay way more. Right. Right? Mine is... Chrissy's is 238 Sydney's is 160 and then mine is the rest of 1200 <laughs> no, Here's $800 <laughs> mine is like a month. $760 <laughs> no a month. Way. Yeah, because I got hepatitis C I and I'm old. I don't know if you're worth it, Bob. And I'm, I know. <laughs> I still haven't gone to a doctor since the middle of February. You should go. I need to see a doctor. Yeah, anyways, look at that thing. Healthcare. healthcare. <laughs> anyways, part of me is still an adolescent, like, fuck healthcare. It's so stupid. But the better part of me, the more mature part of me, got good healthcare, right? You never know, man. I've had surgeries when I don't expect it. You have good health care. You just had that hernia surgery that covered the whole thing? Uh, no. I think we paid 500 No, wait. I think it was zero because it was same day in and out. In and out. Same day. As long as it's same day surgery with no hospital stay. Well, they love that. But, any, but anyway, so, so I just wish I have a lot of regrets. Not reg I don't know what to call them. They're not regrets like I sit around and boo-hoo. I wish I would have done some things differently. It's different than that. It's like, God, I was such an asshole. You know what I mean? Like, I, God. So, you know, so I don't have, like, I'm not boo-hooing about it. I'm just get, becoming more enlightened to what an asshole I was, how good I had it, how miserable I made everyone around me. Okay, now, is that, do you think that may be why people and their men in their mid 50s do the suicide thing yeah, because oh, they yeah. boohoo it because you know what yeah i made a lot of i think i made a lot of mistakes i don't regret a lot of mistakes ended up being good times a lot of mistakes ended up being good stories a lot of mistakes ended up showing me things and taking me places no i, just, I, never I don't gone. mean i don't mean decisions like sign with this record company or have this guy join a band i don't mean those simple i think the more the more personality or the more the more I don't know. I just regret how I treated people. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't regret like being on dope. I think it was the greatest thing ever. <laughs> I, duck. I still yeah, the best thing ever. I do. I do. It made me who I am. You know what I mean? I don't have regrets about drugs or. No, we can't or, look back with regret. Yeah, but I do have regret on what kind of person I let myself become. That's that's the thing. I don't go for that. Oh, your disease made you that. No, I chose to be that. Mm -hmm. You know, I chose to not model after people. I, you know, here's the thing. I had so many musician mentors, and so did Mike, 
that you could model after really good, solid people like John Doe. John Doe is always even-tempered. John Doe was always measured. John Doe was always cool. He produced one of our records when there was four heroin addicts in the band. Think about hmm. how Shit. frustrating that Sometimes must have been. Sometimes not even showing up. <laughs> Think about that. And he was always cool, and he was always whatever. But I, I gravitated more towards top jimmy and people that were always causing trouble and miserable and you know and everything is miserable shit. i think is a big part of it i think yeah, yeah. I, I i thought well that's miserable. how you go through life like that rather than i could never be like john doe just kind of always cool to everybody and he, i remember seeing we played with x one time in san francisco i remember john being so polite to people who worked there in the restaurant like at the fillmore and i thought God, why does he do that? He's John Doe. <laughs> no, why wouldn't that shows you? you my mentality yeah, back then? Why wouldn't you be nice to people? Because 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 you, you don't know, have to. You because don't have I'm to. Bob Forrest. <laughs> yeah, because they'll want something from you. <laughs> you know what I mean? If, That's if, the truth. And to and to really see what kind of personality you did have, and then have it evolve and change, and to be able to look and not feel embarrassed, not regret their past, nor wish to shut the door on it. Just say, oh my God, that's so sad that I was like that to people. It's so sad that I was so miserable in, a, in the greatest time in my life. You know what I mean? Hmm. And so to play music with your friends and go all over the place and, and meet girls and stuff, how can you complain about that? I complained every day about it. <laughs> every day. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> you know, no, no, not because not because you love complaining. Because I don't think you complain. I think you get you get a wrapped. Yeah, I think you enjoy and you embrace. Oh no, he issues. complained. I complained. No, I'm talking about now. I don't think. He, but no, now, I'm sure, but now I'm fighting for my life. Really, Chrissy and I talked heavy talks over the weekend. Like I, I don't know that I want my children to grow up here around this. I don't know that anymore right at this is it's getting to a point where your children get killed at school if they don't get killed at school they they hear about it and then they get nervous about school i mean and nothing's ever going to change here it's only going to get worse unless unless rational people like yourself and i and mike rise up and say you know what fuck the left and fuck the right the radical center there you go you know I what i mean i can't believe you just said that. that's brilliant like the kids in florida I think those kids are, are phenomenal. I, I don't know if you're seeing them. Stand I see up it, but I, I'm a little suspicious that it's you have been, to be a little suspicious. Something's behind it. Take it with a grain of salt. But the spokespeople, they I just like the fact that they're involved. I, I yeah, know, I, I, I I think the 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 show we were, you guys were watching when I came in. I think he hit a lot of things on point. I, I've been watching a lot of stand up, whether it was Mark Maron or whether it was Chris Rock or whether it was Dave Chappelle or whether it was even Fred Armisen. He had a lot of funny things about music. I mean, I think I my new philosophy has been some up with these last four comedians that i've watched yeah chris rock we were just earlier everybody watched the new chris rock documentary uh, or stand up on netflix tambourine uh, tambourine we were just watching the beginning of it i've been waiting since valentine's day to be in the right place where i can just soak it in right because i mean everybody doesn't want to talk about louis ck louis ck was the, is the king and then chris and then yeah, Marin. I like Marin's show, the podcast show. He he's funny. I haven't. I watched his TV show. I didn't. I wasn't really blown away by it, but I heard the stand-up thing is the, good. The stand-up is great, especially from being a 
an over 50 and t- looking at life that way. I had that 23-year-old watch it, and he goes, dude, that was horrible. He goes, really? I guess you got to be old to get it. He goes, I don't, I yeah, don't get probably. it. Yeah, probably. So it is. It's these, these, these peace things, and Chris Rock is getting older, and Dave Chappelle's getting older, and he has experience. And it's, I think, you know, I don't mind fine, I don't mind that I don't say skirt, skirt, because I don't know what it means. I don't mind that I don't really understand what the kids are doing. But I don't turn my back on. I don't hate it. I don't mind getting older. And I love when these older guys are able to look at life and make me think about it. Well, I mean, young people aren't going to dictate what's going on. It's the older people that are going to... I mean, most young people didn't vote, right? And and they don't vote. So so you can't say they're they're to blame for Trump, nor can you say they're the reason why Trump exists. Young people <laughs> don't don't vote. And it's been consistent since since 1968, really. So, so, but some some of us rational people need to to join together, and and support you know good good ideas. But if these kids think they're going to get gun control, they're not going to get <laughs> no. gun control. You know, I, that's the well. That's the sad part. I just like the fact that they're finding a voice and that they're trying to express themselves in a reasonable. I think somebody's coaching them. I'm a cynic. I think I think it's planned out. I think they there was an orchestrated. I know how these things work. There's an orchestrated thing. Next school shooting, we're gonna get down there, get one of the leaders of the kids, get them going. There's it's obvious that that one kid is the leader. Oh, she's good, right? Yeah. And the boy. Is it a boy with yeah. a shaved head? No, the shaved head girl's not in charge. She, 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 the guy sitting up in the front, the young man with a tie on. He had a button button shirt. Are you are you watching it or are you just talking about no, it? No, I've seen the clips that are posted. Oh, okay. Well, watch them talk. They're very elegant. No, it's like, they're like 30, 40 seconds. They're eloquent. That are they know what they're talking about. Uh, but it just seems a little convenient that they happen to be at that school. And, the, and yeah, you know, okay. and I'm always suspicious of what goes on behind the scenes. And why am I suspicious? Because I'm a punk rocker. <laughs> and and the, and the fact was, punk rock changed my life. Punk rock informed everything that I think. It, it it gave me an idea of what's important, and and who were the leaders of punk rock? Joe Strummer, um, Johnny Rotten, and Keith Levine, um, Henry Rollins to a certain extent, Keith to a certain extent, John Doe and Xene. These people were like the the educators of a whole generation of young people and i look at who's who's educating young people now in that pop culture way right well Well, you you know what's great is like last time we hung out you know as much as i enjoy there there is music i enjoy just for its entertainment value or the fact it can change you know that's called nostalgia okay you're wearing your kiss shoes Point. It's called nostalgia. <laughs> but, but, you know, there's there's some music I just enjoy. And then there's other stuff, like I'm reading a book called Lipstick Traces right now that is like showing the the political climate in, in Europe in 1975, 76, when Sex Pistols were starting to happen and everything, how it was a social revolutionary thing that the Clash, you know, also followed up right around the same time with White Riot and that these things were going on and they showed the whole political backdrop and how that it's not going to happen again just exactly like what you said it took so many things lining up so many stars aligning for it to be such a great big also it wasn't so corporatized and 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 co-opted i I love the book it's a hard read uh, because it's smart so it's hard for me to read not a lot of pictures it's a whole lot of big words (laughs) it's a it's a it's really solid but 
but but that I was just a raw, unformed piece of clay, and those people gave me ideas, like of like and posed questions to me, like what is this all about? And I already knew it wasn't about money, and it wasn't about um, material wealth, and it wasn't about getting a good job. None of those things appealed to me. And I, I had seen my parents do all those things and my sisters do all those things and be miserable. Mm -hmm. So the idea was there is something higher. There's a higher calling in life. And that is the brotherhood and sisterhood of, of young people together and uniting and caring about things. And so, so, and that happened when I was like 16, 17 in Huntington Beach at Licorice Pizza on Golden West and, and Edinger or whatever. Golden West and... Uh, the Licorice Pizza I went to is on Brookhurst and Adams. But maybe no, there's the Licorice one. Pizza right across from Golden West College. Okay. And, you know, and the people that work there and, and just everything you could grab hold of that these, these new teachers were teaching... Like, I was into it. It made sense to me. No, we need to care about each other and fuck the way things are. And what's ironic is things were not that corporate, and we were rebelling against the corporate bullshit. Can You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. In 1978, basically, punk rock was a reaction to the main drivers of punk rock to me were Fleetwood Mac, was so fucking horrible, and you heard it 24 hours a day, constantly, <laughs> Led Zeppelin's sh two shitty albums that they had made, In Through the Outdoor and Presence, they were no longer Led Zeppelin. I mean, people people argue with me that they're great records. They're not great records. Oh, In, in Through the Outdoor is great. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's a great record. No, it's not, Mike. <laughs> listen, listen, Mike comes in with the Barry White. <laughs> Oh, you know that's a great record. <laughs> it's, not, it's not Led Zeppelin Four. It's not physical graffiti. I mean, you can like records, but that doesn't affect a whole culture like, like Led different. Zeppelin it's like Four goat, It's like the goat head soup. <laughs> you know, but that's like exactly what the book was saying, is that the way, the, way Johnny, the way Johnny sneered the words and the way you knew he believed them, it's that, you know, the three chords and the truth thing. And he was singing, even though I didn't understand uh, God save the queen. I didn't understand the irony and the you anger, understood and the, the, but the I understood tone. the feeling, and the yeah. feeling was the same. And it was a complete rejection of everything that the that people had said. And and what what punk rock was rebelling against in England was the the government and and the oppression of the people and twenty percent unemployment and that. What punk rock was rebelling against in 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 America in Los Angeles in particular was this marginalized suburban kind of world that we were all pushed into because of white flight. You know, there was a movie called Over the Edge. You ever seen it with Matt Dillon? No. You got to see it. That's what happened in, like, most, like, Keith lived in uh, Redondo Beach. I lived in Inglewood. Um, Mike lived in Sunset Beach. And, that, and we were still clinging on to that kind of world. But most kids were pushed out to Anaheim, Irvine, to get away from minorities. It was okay. called white flight, right? That's what happened in the late 60s and through the 70s. Well, the kids out there were bored shitless. There was nothing to fucking do. And, you know, at least in L.A., I mean, we used to, when I'd get off school, we could go to other playgrounds and go play and, and ride bikes and go to the mall and go do things. There was nothing to do. 
in Irvine. There was nothing no, to do in Costa even, Mesa. I don't even recognize Irvine with all the buildings they're out there called, now. They're called, it's called bedroom communities. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's a nice way of covering up racism, right? Why are they living 40 miles away from where they work? Well, you know. Because the houses cause are the beige. Houses are they're, so they're beige nice. and they look so great all beige. <laughs> it was all based on racism. So the kids out there were waiting for fucking something to happen exciting, right? Skateboarding was happening. Uh, weed was happening, and then punk rock happened. Hmm. And so that boredom and that suburban angst that was described in Penelope Spheris' Suburbia, all this neglect of the kids because they're safe and out, out of, away from, you know, the inner city, that was bullshit, right? And kids were angry and they wanted to smash shit up, so punk rock fit right in. But me, I was seeking something. I was seeking a dad. I, I, I often think, my dad had died when I was 15. I often think when I was 16, 17, I discovered The Clash. I think I, put, I made Joe Strummer my dad. And Why he not? was a good fucking dad. He told you right from wrong. He told you, you know, he didn't, he didn't, he, he was unconditionally loving. You know, there was no throwing people out, but it was an educating people when you make a mistake type of environment, right? And then the suburban kids came in and just beat everyone up. <laughs> <laughs> it's suburban. It's true. It's true. <laughs> it's true. fucking I crazy. I don't. I don't remember that. You didn't you get guys, beat you up. You guys were a few years older. I got older. the shit beat out of me a couple times. Yeah, but that was from guys in Camaros with long hair. No, it wasn't. It was from punk rockers. Oh no, the L.A. Death Squads. Oh no. I remember one time I did this show for MDC. They're called Millions of Dead Cops. They mm -hmm. were a band, and I, I. Uh, Apparently they're very feminist oriented or something. So I, I they won't made play a, with smut peddlers. That's for sure. Yeah, I made a flyer that had like a naked girl on it, and they came to play the show at the cafe that I was promoting. They said, "Who made this flyer?" And I said, "I did." And they took me outside and roughed me up and told me what the. <laughs> I was just like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! It's just a flyer." Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm learning a lot. There's a lot of bands who won't play with us. But punk rock saved my life and changed my life and it in, informed everything. And, you know, and the other night, me and Mike were talking about it. And just to reminisce about, you know, it was so great. Every morning, even though I was hungover or dope sick, I got up with a, with a, with a distinct amount of optimism of what the day was going to hold. So if I didn't have that, if I didn't have punk rock, which the clients we deal with who are 22 don't have punk rock, they don't have a reason to get up in the morning that makes them fight through the dope sickness or fight through the hangover and fucking carry on and be with your brothers and sisters and take it to the streets. They don't have any of that. I would have been them. I just would have crumbled and gone to rehab and Probably, whined and huh? complained. You know, and people people knock social distortion a lot, but there's that uh, telling them song. You know, I understood the, you know, I can't wait till the show tonight when I'm with my friends, everything's all right. You know, and that's what it was. is about getting to the party where the bands were. It's about getting to the place where the bands were. It was about getting to where everybody was going to be. The community, the that's, people. And, you know, and then we had a little bit of scene like that not too long ago, even in Orange County. It kind of came back where you'd see the same kind of people at the same the, things. And of course, it's not the same feeling because I'm not 15 and it's not all brand new. And we're not smoking cloves and drinking Lucky Lager. No, but, but it, was a, it was a belief. Like, I, you know, it's weird talking about Anthony Flea, but they, they believe the same things that I believe. 
they believe the same things. They believe in power of the people and all the things that, you know what I mean? Just because they became one of the biggest bands in the world doesn't change what they believe. I hope not. You know, and it, well, I believe there's a lot of big bands that never believe that stuff ever. It's pretty obvious to uh, me. Quite, quite a few that, <laughs> quite a few that are selling the shtick. That's for sure, huh? No, it's so <laughs> weird. Like I don't know, but anyways. So I thought I'd tell a couple of the greatest uh, stories of my punk rock childhood. Wow. Okay. So one time, I I don't know if Mike played this show. We were playing the Gaslight. And we, the Pogues album had come out. I don't know if you remember, mm. If I Should Fall From Grace With God. Okay. Such a great album. And we started doing If I Should Fall From Grace With God because it doesn't have that many words. I always like picking cover songs that didn't have that many words. Good idea. I like, Good idea. Two, th- like Radio, Radio by Elvis Costello. And, the, and, then, and then only learning like three or four <laughs> lines. <of laughs> yeah, and then repeat it. Well, that, right? that worked for Johnny. Here's the, Johnny the, the cover songs we do. All right now. <laughs> Pretty simple song. You sort of got the the okay from the replacements who did horrible covers, also. Yeah, but they they actually tried to sing the whole song and all yes. the parts. A lot of times, not very good. Yeah, though. but at least they they were trying. I wasn't even trying. I was just like verse, chorus, chorus, chorus. <laughs> do the first verse again, chorus. And we're done, right? So all right now, if I should fall from grace with God, radio, radio. Um, and well, oh, shut down, easy one. All you have to really know to say is shut down. That's perfect. Shut down, baby, gotta go. Shut down. That was like the Louis, the Louis, Louis of punk rock. Yeah. So, so we were doing a five should fall from grace. God, and we got pretty good at it. And I don't know if Mike was in it or not. I think I know Martine was in it at that time. Were you I'm in the band sure. when Martine did, was in it? I, yeah, I was. Oh, okay. But, so we were playing the gaslight. We were playing the gaslight, which is a small square room. And we were doing If I Should Fall from Grace of God. And I usually sing with my eyes closed. And I opened my eyes. And Joe Stummer was standing on a bar stool. And I could only see him above the crowd. I could see Joe Strummer singing along with me, singing If I Should Fall from Grace hmm. of God. That was like a Nirvana moment that, that, no, like I can't believe I had that. I was in my room with headphones on, listening to uh, 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 "Give Him Enough Rope." I went and saw the Clash all record. three days at the Palladium. I waited in line to get tickets, and now the guy was singing along with my band. It was unbelievable. And so we were outside, and he came up, and he—he's like, "I love that He always called me Thelonious. <laughs> And I, he didn't know, I Thelonious never, he didn't know my name. <laughs> he just called me Thelonious. <laughs> Thelonious, that was great. That was fucking great. I was like, why didn't you come up and sing? He goes, ah, oh, you were doing fine. You know that. So, and and I'll t- let me tell you what that means. I didn't want to come up there and just be some celebrity guy singing along. You were doing fine. I was enjoying it. I was singing along. And my thing was, oh, to have Joe Strummer come and sing sing the song. I missed the whole point. He didn't want to take it from you. That he was didn't yours. want to take it. Yeah. Right. So, so fast forward twenty years or 10, 10 years, I guess, and. Joe Summers playing the Viper Room, and he wanted the Bicycle Thief to open, so we opened for him, and uh, and it's right after 9/11, right after 9/11, like you know, I, f- I forget exactly, probably the next year, 2002, hmm. and he's had a few cocktails, and 
he said something, some of the craziest shit that r- ruminated. Because here's my teacher, and he's fucking telling me something he very adamantly believes. And this is what he said. Thelonious, listen to me. I fucking grew up in Turkey. I know these motherfuckers. I know these people. They want people like you and me dead. Dead. Make no mistake about it. They hate rock and roll. They hate gay people. They hate everybody. I grew up with them. They only understand the boot. That's what he said. Mm. That's Joe Summer about Al-Qaeda and, and the Islamic fascists in, the, in Iraq, in, in Afghanistan. So I right? know where he was on So things, he yeah. was like, let's go. They only understand the boot. And I didn't understand that. Like, this is the guy that told me to be aligned with the Sandinistas <laughs> against Reagan. And now he's saying, we need to go to Bora Bora and find this motherfucker and, and fucking kill him. And I was like... Whoa, this is a this is this is a guy that does not fuck around. <laughs> well, no, it's pretty extreme. Because huh? I was against the war, and then I was like, "Well, I don't know." Joe Summers for it. <laughs> oh, Joe, you know <laughs> the killing? way he said it. They only understand the boot. Man. Okay, I'm they behind want, you. Let's go get them. They want us dead. They hate <laughs> rock and roll. They hate gay people. It's still true, right? So, so that so get my idea. We need a radical center. Joe Strummer told me that night the radical center. I don't want to get caught up with Weinberger and fucking Cheney and all this. These motherfuckers only understand the boot. They want us dead. This is a fight worth fighting, right? Instead of all the way it mitigated and going to Iraq, what the fuck was that about? You know, I still don't know. Am I I supposed to know? I don't know. It's so confusing. Yeah, the guys are over there. Go over there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It was so crazy. So that was one that just was so mind blowing. I expected him to be so against Bush and so against the war, and he was so pro. You got to go find these motherfuckers and hunt them down, right? Mm. And and I just like, whoa, this was another enlightening period. Like, okay. This is like the Nazis. That's what I remember coming home and thinking about it. Like, what he just said was, this is like the Nazis. These people have to be dealt with. Right? Hmm. That, that's how I took it away. Because okay. he, he never told me anything that wasn't true, that wasn't righteous. Uh, you know, and now he was saying that something that was so politically incorrect amongst liberals and the left and punk rockers. Was, was, when he said stuff, was there... Was there was he as charismatic as he I would yes. hope him to be? Yes, a very commanding presence. Just I, I mean, if he I, was talking to you, everyone else in the room was watching you talk to him. And you wonder what he went through growing up, also in in England and stuff. You know, he went to boarding school when he was eleven. Wow, military boarding school. You know, that's and what is harsh. His, you know, his beliefs and his dad. So that's lying. one. And then Ian MacKay is another of the heroes of mine, right? So I've always tiptoed around him. I've never really known what to think. You know, I know he doesn't like drugs and drinking and cigarettes and whatever, and and I'm kind of acquaintance to him. And then he has a son about Elvis's age, and I started seeing him more, right? And finally one day, we were just sitting there watching the kids play or something at Coachella, and I said, I said, what's your take on the whole thing? Like the whole, the whole... Um, uh, his movement. What's it called again? Straight Edge. Straight Edge. What do you, what's your take on it? He goes, I never started it. I wasn't... It, I, I never would tell anybody else how to live. I just... <laughs> I'm just not that guy. But I mean, I just... 
I've made it harder for myself and my bandmates and my music by believing in these things, but I believe in them. I didn't, I didn't expect other people to believe in them. I wasn't telling other people, other people are bad who play in bars. I've never said that. Other people are bad who take drugs. I've never thought that. Mm. But I just had these beliefs that, that he believed to be righteous, like the Joe Strummer thing. You know, and you're talking about big thinkers, Joe Strummer and Ian MacKay. There's, these people are thinking about things, right? Mm. Yeah. And that's why they're the leaders of this profound movement that changed music. Because they think about things. And he was like, I don't really want to play in bars where they serve alcohol. I don't really like what alcohol represents in our culture. I don't want to be in magazines that advertise, you know, big oil and tobacco. And, you know, so he never, you know, he just made rules for himself. Then then other people around him then started modeling after that. Yeah. Then, then, then he, he believed it was the third generation of that that started telling everybody what to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like AA. <laughs> 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 it kind of is like AA. Like the first guys don't give a fuck. And then, this and is what we're doing for us because yeah, for we us. like it. And then the it's second guys that. are like, those guys do it this way. And then the third guys are like, you need to do it this way or die. <laughs> yep. Exactly. I and see so, it. It just happened more quickly. And it, he, was, he was so kind the way he presented it. Like, I never meant for people to be told how to live or bullied or feel bad about the decisions they make and never have thought that but i know that that kind of surrounds the subject you know what right, i mean yeah. i always thought that he hated people who took drugs and i took drugs so i just avoided him <laughs> I, I i never i never knew him and I, I, but I you know there's a lot of straight edges in orange county right yeah there there used to be well, there, there used to be, until you see them in the bar when they turn 21, you know, there are a lot of them that was a younger thing, and that's okay. Uh, you a know, way to rationalize that yeah, you can't you know, drink. You know, well, you can be a part of something that's bigger than you, too, and it's okay with mom, and you can go fight. You know, there's, there's a whole lot of, there was a whole lot of, um, I, whatever, you know, I, I, don't under, I don't understand that I was in between, that wasn't, that wasn't my thing either. I wasn't. Well, it certainly wasn't Mike Mart's thing. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, 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 were you part edge? of the straight edge movement at any time? I don't think so. <laughs> I think he was straight edge. I kind of always just wondered, what the hell is that all about? <laughs> Let's get Mike Mart's take on the straight edge movement. What was your opinion what? when you heard of what the straight was, edge movement it was? It was confusion, of course. <laughs> what? Why would you not want to be like Darby Crash and Sid Vicious? And, because they died, <laughs> they died at 20. They died at 20. That's why. Well, that was the goal. To <laughs> well, you failed, my friend. Early on, oh, so you didn't have to. We failed old. miserably at dying a glorious death at 22. Know, oh, wow. You know, that, that says a lot about my success. <laughs> <laughs> I was unsuccessful. Oh, man. <laughs> so that. So. So, and then you think about that, like, like these people were really leaders and they had a lot of important things to say, right? They did. Yeah, well, absolutely. Nowadays, people are too scared to say what they believe because it might alienate part of their audience. And this brings me to my main subject. Eminem is my hero. Eminem, who is wealthy beyond words, probably 
but so are a lot of people. There's a lot of musicians and artists that are wealthy beyond words who don't go out on a limb. And Eminem has repeatedly said, you cannot support Donald Trump and like me and like my music. So you need to choose. That makes me want to support Trump just so I can do it. You can't tell me what I can do. And, and I think it's such a courageous act to say, I don't care if he said, I don't, he said in the recent Rolling Stone, I don't care if I lose half my audience. I don't care if I start to play clubs again. I do not want people to, to enjoy my music thinking, oh, white hip hop, rock, and relive nostalgia <laughs> while they support this fascist pig. I mean, did you see the thing he said about Trump at the BET Awards? No. Oh, what was he doing my. at the BET Awards? Well, he's black by occupation. <laughs> no, he's not. He doesn't know. No, he's a white kid. You don't get a black card for doing rap. Well, let's, Eminem let's does. Let's do a little Chris Rock here. He <laughs> <laughs> don't get to be black. Everybody oh, wants no. to be black till the cops show. Yeah, right. Oh, my Dude, God. that is funny. What was Eminem doing at the BET Awards? <laughs> I don't know. Are there? I I mean, yeah, he must be the only white guy there. Little Peep could have made it there. <laughs> yeah, Little yeah. Peep. I, I, I don't there. know if they'd let Little Peep in. Guy, I never thought about that. Is he the only white person at the BET Awards? You know, it's funny, man, because <laughs> because on that subject, like you know, of uh, of being able to say whatever you want, and yeah, John and, Lennon alienated half the Beatles' audience by saying what he believed. And, and Eminem is the only person nowadays in pop culture saying what he believes, and he doesn't give a fuck how it affects him financially. And that's a courageous act by an artist. Madonna also did do that. I don't hear Bono speaking out against it. He's got a new album out, and he's too nervous that he might not make another $8 million. It's really? pretty obvious. No, no, Bono I doesn't. You don't hear anything from Springsteen. Where's Bruce Springsteen on the Trumpism? Where He's does too he old stand? to matter. Oh, God. Come on, Did you just man. say that? Like really? It's like 100 He's fucking years old. Springsteen is still one of the greatest artists in America. Wow. Too old to matter. <laughs> I can't, I'm not, I'm not going to get past that. How? Chuck, Chuck is the youngest one here, and he's offended by that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I like about the Eminem thing is that he didn't do it in a, in a grandstanding like uh, public movement like the other celebrities did where they're jumping on some some bandwagon and jumping in where it's real easy to throw rocks where he kind of stands no, up he there on knows, his own. He knows that most of his audience are Trump supporters. Well, and well, yeah, because a lot, they, they were the lot. ones that it was okay to like it because he's white because he might have a, a little bit of a, a you know, a race race-based fan base to begin with. I mean, he even talked about that in his songs about how your parents were upset because your your kid looks like me. Yeah, looks like, like me. me and acts like me. How you yeah. know some Eminem back yeah, in your day? I do. I do. <laughs> Anyways, so I just felt like these people taught me, and then that informed who I am, and that gave me the ability to teach and to to kind of spread the message like how I like to do. Right? Who is doing that now? No one. I don't see anyone risking whatever money they could make. You know what I mean? Hmm. It's it's strange. People people are into brands more than they're into movements or culture. 
Kathy or, Griffith tried it and got blown. <laughs> 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 maybe. maybe. I don't know. See, but that wasn't an intelligent, well-thought-out <laughs> statement like Joe Strummer, like Ian McKay. When you're talking about those people, you're talking intelligent, well... Yeah, I didn't get what she was trying to do. She, it wasn't she, it, funny. I'll tell you what, so, it backfired like it, a motherfucker. But it wasn't funny. If you're going to be disgusting, it better be funny. No, but, well, yeah, the idea being... You know, in comedy, it's got to be funny. If it's not funny, then you don't do it because you're a comedian, right? That's what killed Lenny Bruce. He wasn't funny anymore. He was funny, and then he became not funny. And that's when people just abandoned him, mm-hmm. right? And and it's sad, and it's tragic that he went so crazy. You know, basically, at the end, Lenny Bruce would just book a show and then read his court transcripts. Like who wants to hear <laughs> that? Great, man. <laughs> no. <laughs> Michael, Mike Mike would have been in so the funny. front row. <laughs> yeah. You remember we talked about Chris Burden, right? And we yeah. Were, I forgot to tell you, I once saw Chris Burden. Uh, he read word for word out of an Air Force uh, manual for a fighter jet. The technical manual. He just read it. He just read the entire thing until everybody left. It, it was. <laughs> He, it took four hours. I stayed for two and a half. And I was like, well, man, I gotta go. Man. I gotta get out but of here. But he was still reading it. Two and a half hours, man. And the, and Horrible. There was some point went. to it. There was always a point to hit Chris Burden's art. And it. But let's honor the man. It's only the 10-year anniversary of the lights this week. Now, those I, seem it like seems those like it's been, been up there. for yeah. fucking 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. I went up there with my wife like right before uh, Bug was born. So that's like eight years. And that seems like that was 100 years ago. Like those things were just always been there. Did you see I, the Hot Wheels thing he yeah, did? Yeah. That was Chris his, Burden too. That, well, the Hot Wheels thing was at the Peterson Car, Car Museum. No, it was across the street. It was next door to the lights. It was in one of the buildings at, at LACMA on the left. The oh. Hot Wheels going around the big no, thing. Then no. Oh, you got to see the Hot Wheels thing. Is it still up, Mike? I think I pretended like I'd seen that thing before. I I think I was like, oh, yeah, I love these lights. It's like a thousand Hot Wheels going down a thousand different tracks in this whole room. It was amazing. So the political performance, anyways, of like like Kathy Griffin and that that kind of like... It just wasn't funny. So if it wasn't funny... Russell Russell Brand could have done it and it wouldn't wouldn't have been popular. It, it just wasn't funny. Russell so Brand wouldn't. Have I don't done think it she deserves thinker. to lose her career over not being funny on one joke. But when you're doing a joke that's that's that involved, where you got to be at a photo shoot for six hours and you got to take the photos and look at them and whatever, yeah, and, and you can't and you the... don't recognize this is not really funny. It's not. Right. It's not gross. Or Isn't that what not. happens when you get surrounded by yes men, though? Yes, Probably a bunch kinda. of people. She's yeah. a little bit isolated. She didn't bounce off off anybody in reality, because anybody yeah, that I cares told about her, like, her would have said, said "I don't know." With the ISIS shit going on, not too funny. I don't think it's as funny, but uh, but I don't think she deserves to be crucified. It's just sad. But she was to her. But she was. Huh? She's done pretty much for now. Well, and that gets back to the corporatization of everything. The reason why nobody's, you know, there's a John Cougar Mellencamp song that if you don't stand for something, you're bound to fall for anything, right? No, nobody's going to stand up for righteousness. Don't expect Netflix to. Or, or who's going to stand up for righteousness? Netflix does documentaries about it. No, at a certain point, <laughs> at a certain point, Netflix could say, hey, you know what? We're not going to just drop anyone that has accusations against them. 
You know what I mean? Right. There is due process. I don't mean to sound like Trump, but I mean, at, at this point, no one, everybody's so worried about profits and, and quarterly numbers and stock stock prices that you you can't expect Microsoft or Facebook or 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 Apple or Netflix or Amazon to ever stand up for righteousness. Facebook no. Facebook were in cahoots with the Russians and they won't stand up for righteousness. You know, I just I was seeing that today on MSNBC and all they were talking about were the 4000 Russian trolls that were hired to just get onto Facebook and troll things and just start conversations. I thought it was so irrelevant. I really No, it's really relevant. That's where we would disagree. You need to do a little more investigating. The fact is Michigan was won by 77,000 people. 53,000 voted for Jill Stein. Jill Stein was being supported by those robots too, by those, by the, by the, by the Russian troll thing. So the idea was to initially build up Bernie against Hillary, and that didn't work. So then build up third parties, both uh, the the pothead guy. What was his name? Um, what was the pothead Coleman? What was his name? The guy that ran as third, fourth party candidate, I uh, guess. Don't don't recall. It was he was the Green Party. Of course, he was he was a pothead. Uh, I don't even I don't even remember anymore. There were there were. Well, you can't then say oh it was nothing. It was four thousand things. No, it wasn't that. But I can because if Facebook changes the way you think, then you're not me. No, we're not talking about you. So watch this. If you're Hispanic and you're told that you're not going to be able to vote on a fake news thing on Facebook, and then that spreads, and your cousin hears it, and then they show it to you, and you think, oh, yeah, fuck, we don't want to, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter. That, that what's called, uh, there's a term for it, is to make people not vote, then to build up third-party candidates, and then Trump squeaks by. Huh. And that happened in Michigan, it happened in, in Wisconsin, and... And the fact was, I was surprised. When I was watching the elections that night, and Michigan and uh, Florida was so close, I was like, holy fuck, what happened to all those people that should be voting? Well, what were they saying? That if you're illegal, you can't vote? Or if you're undocumented, just scaring, you can't vote? No, they're just scaring minorities and saying you have to have your ID, and nobody knew what an ID was. It was misinformation. <laughs> no, they okay. said you needed... <laughs> if you don't know, then you shouldn't vote if you don't know what an ID If I told you that you needed your voter ID card to vote, you would think twice, like, oh, I don't have one. Where do yeah, I get it's one? Weird. There's always shit that goes on like that, though. Every election, right? I mean, I think... Voter it's, suppression, it's called. Yes. Voter suppression. But, do you remember... I remember back when we used to use drugs, I kind of felt like a hopeless sort of, in the Reagan era, I felt like I was out of control, that there was going to be a bomb at any time dropped on our head. It kind of it kind of made me so unsettled that I think it added to my drug addiction and escapism. And that's definitely something. Do you think something. that is something that's going on today with kids? I think when 50% of the population are working poor and they hate each other, hmm. It's a weird society. Instead of being like I'm talking about, about this united thing that, that punk rock created, that we align together against the powers that be, and, and you should be able to say, hey, wait a minute, I don't know about somebody who just makes up their own reality being president of the United States. I just don't know about that. That's how I felt. I felt like, at first I was laughing in June. I have a podcast that me and Nate had, and I'm just laughing like, Trump's going to be president. This is going to be great. 
but in the back of my mind, I was like, he's not the nutcase that he seems. There's a rational part of him that if he became president, he would become <laughs> rational. And that never happened. And so to, to stand by Did and you just think he was act, crazy like a fox sort of thing? Yeah. Oh. I, I thought, he's from New York. He knows what's up. He does not know what's <laughs> up. Yeah. You know, I have this thing like, you either know what's up or you don't know what's up. And if you don't know what's up, there's not really a lot we can talk about. The presidency is such a such a fragile, important thing in this society that nobody really violates it. Even Nixon didn't really violate and, it that much. And who are the puppeteers? Because there's always puppeteers. He has no puppeteers. Russia. I believe that. That's Russian, it. Russian oligarchs. That's it. Russia wants to dominate the world. Do you understand that? Um, Do you think they're just good guys like us or something? No, but I don't. I don't think they're nearly the the power they were. They're getting there again. I, I don't think they were. I think China's a bigger threat. Oh yeah, China has more. I don't. I, I think when you look at China compared to Russia, I think Russia's kind of like fourth fourth place all of a sudden. They're, Russia they're has the most natural resources in, of of any society. They've claimed the the North Pole. They have all the oil and resources, so they're they're trying to come up with all the natural resources. Wait a minute, Russia claimed the North Pole. Yes, Bowl? yes, you didn't know this. Could no, it was a rad move. I want that back, man. <laughs> so so Santa, Santa's. Didn't he know that's America's North Pole? There. <laughs> that's all right. It's all melting. It'll be gone soon, anyway. <laughs> In Russia punk rock couldn't have happened in russia the beatles couldn't have happened in russia martin scorsese would be executed in russia it it is different to say that it's morally relevant like trump tries to say and anybody who supports trump is saying it's not morally relevant relevant punk rock could only happen in western democracies it could only happen in England and America, not China and Russia. So the things that we hold sacred will go away and never happen again if authoritarianism comes. Oh, I'm not a fan of that for sure. I'm not. I'm not. A, I've seen. I've seen. I've seen that stuff, and I've seen people escaping countries. I've seen them let, risk their lives and leave everything behind. You don't do that if it's good. Well, let's look at after World War II. I think it was Eisenhower or Truman. Truman did a great thing. He saw all the genocide that was happening in Czechoslovakia, Yugoslavia, Tito, all this, this ethnic cleansing that was going on all across Eastern Europe. And he thought, we've got to bring freedom and opportunity to these people so that, that this will stop. And that's what the Marshall Plan was. Without the Marshall Plan, what I think might happen in the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years would have happened which is complete authoritarianism, fascism, uh, uh, oppressive, oppressive regimes like the Shah, like Saudi Arabia. I mean, it's not that far from what we've got here to that. You think it's never going to happen. That's why you, that some people seem to think there's a luxury here. No, it's an honor and a privilege to live in America with these kind of freedoms. And people that don't respect them I have no patience for <laughs> punk rock could have never happened in Russia. It can't happen in North Korea. It can't happen in an authoritarian uh, uh, regime. There's hope with this radical center, but the people who've been brainwashed to the left and the right have to re get their brains active again. We should not be against each other as, 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 as poor people. 
I, I don't get it. Why, why poor people, you know, hate other poor people. Like, I don't get it. That's what the powers that be want you to do so they can go on with their power. The people united, which is what I think you like those kids in Florida, they're all coming together and they're saying, you know what, enough is enough. Yeah, and I like the fact that it appeared organic. I love organic movements. Well, they're saying a lot of things that seemed... A little Coach too grown to up, a little, little, a little Juno. A little Anyways, like, <laughs> kids, it's not so hopeless out there. No, it's not. Listen, listen. This is the most amazing country in the world that could create three guys like us. Three oh guys like God. us don't. Three guys like us don't get created in Russia. Do you understand that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and even Kathy I, Griffith. I, I, yeah, I do understand that because my no, mom they was, have they have unfunny comedians in Russia. <laughs> they gave us Yakov Smirnov. Yeah, that guy wasn't Smirnoff. funny for well, shit. Let me tell the Yakov Smirnov joke. <laughs> okay, so we go. all loved we all loved Lenny Bruce, like John Pachante, me, Flea. Everybody loves Lenny Bruce, right? We find out that Lenny Bruce's house is about four houses away from John Fashante's house on Hollywood Boulevard in, in the Hollywood Hills behind the, the Sunset Riot House, behind the comedy store. So we walk over and we buzz the buzzer and say, I think Flea said, hey, it, um, I'm Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers and we would love to be able to come and see Lenny Bruce's house if there's any way. We just live a few doors down. And the person said, what? And we said, and we all said, it's the Red Hot Chili Peppers. We want to look at Lenny <laughs> Bruce's house. Yeah. <laughs> and this, and this, this woman said, "Hold on one second. And the guy got on the thing, and it was Yakov Smirnov. Oh, no. He had bought Lenny Bruce's house. Oh, and no. then, oh, but God. it gets better. So he goes, "This is Yakov Smirnov, uh, the comedian. I've bought Lenny Bruce's house. Yes, l let me come down and get you guys." And we were like, "No, we don't want to be with Yakov Smirnov." <laughs> and, no. we, and we ran back to John's house because <laughs> we didn't want to be with Yakov. Oh, it. it just would have ruined everything for Yakov Smirnov oh, to give us a, a tour country. of. Look at this house. house. We'll wait until somebody else buys it. Why does Rakoff Smirnoff on Lenny Bruce's house? This uh, is not right. Oh that should have been. Chris should have told Rock, you something. Chris Rock should own it. Dave Chappelle should own it. Yeah. Richard Pryor should live there. <laughs> somebody <laughs> funny. Anybody funny. <laughs> but now I feel bad for shitting on him i'm sorry yakov you see, you see this is the same guy you were when you were young you're gonna wish you were nicer to yakov and yakov what's his name yakov, yakov that's a terrible name it's, i think it's a made-up comedy I think, name. I think it's russian for jackoff i think we should leave on that great note <laughs> see you later see you next time uh, don't die don't die everybody Hey, this is Bob, and you can get a hold of Aloe Treatment Centers at 888-595-0235. That's Aloe Treatment Centers in Malibu and Silver Lake, 888-595-0235. Tell them Bob told you to call.